Hi, this is Millie, and you're listening to the Escaping Narcissistic Parents podcast, where you'll find the validation and love you've been looking for. Welcome to my new listeners, and thanks to my loyal friends. Please follow me on Instagram at Escaping Narcissistic Mothers, all one word, and I will put all this in the show notes. Hi guys, I hope you're all doing well. Um, I see that you liked my last podcast and you know, the answer is no, you can't convince others. And it's very simple. The narcissist has had a mask their entire lives. They've been showing people a completely different side of them. So when you tell them what they do behind closed doors, it's just impossible for people to believe, right? And I know how difficult that is to accept. I really get it, you know. Um, today's topic is stop making excuses. This is where, you know, things naturally have gone with my page. Um, this comes up over and over again. It just seems to be the the posts that get the most response, right? Um, the post that got me to 10,000 followers was a post that was about giving responsibility back to the person, to the abuser, right? Not taking on responsibility, their responsibility for them or excusing them or apologizing for them. Okay. So this is a very difficult thing to do, and it takes a long time to get to the point where you say, I'm not making excuses in my own head or in any way for someone else's bad behavior, which, by the way, they have chosen, right? This is the hardest part of accepting narcissism. You learn about narcissism. You finally are in a place where you you just have no choice but to say, yeah, my mother was a narcissist. My father was a narcissist. My grandmother was a narcissist. My ex-husband, wife, whomever is a narcissist. So you've accepted that much. The next piece is realizing that narcissism is a personality disorder, but it's something that they do on purpose. It's not an illness. It's not cancer. It's not Graves' disease, which is what I have, an autoimmune disorder, which you didn't ask for, right? And you have no control over. These people have control of what they do and they have chosen to live their life based on whatever suits their needs and hurting people on purpose to get narcissistic supply that is their fuel okay so you have to stop making excuses and I see it over and over again even in the comments in my Instagram page Please, if you're listening to this, follow me on Instagram. Okay. It's in the, it's always in the show notes and in the intro 
Just follow me on Instagram. Um, we have to stop. We have to stop making excuses to not give them responsibility. Okay? Now, I, I said the hardest part was accepting it. And then the second hardest part is accepting that what they do and they did was on purpose. It was planned. Right? That goes in the traits of narcissism. They don't explain that. That's the, the one thing I don't like about the um, diagnostic book of psychology. Because there are traits. But they don't explain the, the, the real underlying things that go along with a person who is a narcissist, right? They just tell you, oh, they like empathy. Oh, they have haughty behaviors. Oh, they feel entitled or they have, you know, they act like they're entitled. They don't explain that they hurt people on purpose, Okay, and the reason, like I said before, the reason they do it is because they get narcissistic supply. Okay, but let's talk about the 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 thing that is the hardest is to stop making excuses, stop putting it in your mind that the narcissist will change or can change. Because someone who truly believes that they are never wrong, because they do truly believe that, they're never going to get help. Okay? And if a narcissist does get help, it's, it's only to manipulate someone else. Right? If they go to therapy, they go to one session to keep the person who they you know, their target to keep them around. They need the target. They need that person that they constantly abuse and get supply from to stick around. Because they need the fuel. And if they notice something's up, then they might say something like, I will go to therapy. And they will go to one session and lie in the session, right? Especially, you know, Narcissus will will find those um, free sessions with a new counselor, right? Who is not going to be able to tell that they're a narcissist because they don't have the experience. Please, you know, we have to give them the responsibility that they deserve. It's on them. They choose to behave this way. Okay, they choose it. It is not something that they can't help. I have seen so many people write this and I know that their hearts are in the right place. That's the problem, though. We have been conditioned by the narcissist to have an open heart. You, you know, you're, you're an open book. Anybody can read you. You, you show your true emotions You're a real person with real feelings who is a good person. And then they use that to convince you, you know, and and not convince you, but 
that is part of the reason why you don't want to really believe that narcissism is something that is a chosen path. Okay? You're not born a narcissist. I don't know if you guys know this. This is different from psychopathy. A psychopath, a person who is born with no empathy, that's a different thing. And they can see that at a young age. Um, narcissists start to show traits of narcissism in their early teens, but not too early. Something like 15, 16 is when they start to show the traits of narcissism. Why? Because for whatever reason, whether they were abused or not, not again, not a reason for an excuse because you were abused and you aren't like that. They were abused. They sh- they don't have to be like that just because they were abused. Right? We're not like that. So it's a chosen path. If they were abused, it's something like, I'm never going to let anybody else hurt me, so I'm going to be the one to hurt kind of deal. Okay? Do they say it like that clearly in their head? Maybe not, but that is what's going on. They're not going to let anyone else hurt them, so they're going to hurt, okay? And that becomes something that they just can't, they can't stop because they truly believe all of their own lies that they've told themselves. But it's not an excuse, okay? It's not an excuse, and they know what they're doing, right? They plan what they do. They do what they do to keep you weak, malleable, you know, where you're bendable. Right? They they one of my posts recently was about disturbing your sleep. They don't let you sleep. Why? Because if you're tired, you're easily manipulated cuz you're tired. You don't have the strength to go up against them. If you're tired, they do things so that they have full control. Control is one of the major things for a narcissist. They must have full control of another person, right? And it doesn't make sense to us because we're like, well, why would someone just want full control of someone else? What's the purpose? The purpose is they need to have full control, you know, and being a child of a narcissist, like they think of us as possessions. We're not real people. We don't deserve to be treated like real people. We're possessions. We're just pawns in their game. They don't see us as people. Okay. So that's why we were treated the way we were treated as children. We weren't allowed to express any opinion, any emotion, to have our own personality, to um, go out and explore different things that we may want to do in life. I never did any extracurricular activities. Now, I'm sure that there's the narcissistic parent that forces their kid to do every extracurricular activity Because how it looks on them to the outside world. Okay, so I know that narcissists are different in the way they behave to their children. 
It's not, they're all similar, right? They all have the same traits, but they may behave in different ways with their children or with their target, right? And that's one of them because I've seen, I've seen both. In my case, like I said, I wasn't allowed. Um, I've said this in other podcasts, but when I was um, starting in my high school, but it was that my high school was junior high and high school. Um, I was in New York, so it was called junior high, not middle school, seventh grade, starting in seventh grade. So I was put in all girl Catholic high school. Big freaking shocker, right? A narcissist who puts their kid in a religious, uh, singular sex high school. So you, you know, you couldn't, couldn't meet boys and, and you, it was all religious, right? (laughs) You know, the thing is, um, and this is a little aside from what I was talking about, is that in the end, I loved my high school. And my high school actually closed um, in 2014. It closed, and so eight years ago. And it was the saddest thing that, one of the saddest things that ever happened because it had such a rich history. Um, It was a place where I felt safe, so my mom didn't really, at the moment, yes, I was not happy that I was in an all-girls school. But at the same time, um, it was still a situation that ended up being one of the best experiences of my life. So, mom, too bad on that one. It, that one backfired on you. Anyway. So I'm in seventh grade, and one of the big things that this high school is known for was the drum corps, the band, but it was a drum corps, military drum corps. Um, and I wanted to be a drummer. So I'm like, please, Mom, let me let me join the drum, the drum corps in the drum section. And I did join, and I I don't know how long it lasted, but it didn't last very long, a month maybe. My mom didn't want to pick me up after school, you know. It was too much it was too much of a burden on her for me to do this and I was only in 7th grade, so I couldn't walk home alone. She wouldn't let me walk home alone. I couldn't walk home alone till I don't know if it was junior year, maybe that I was allowed. By the way, the school was not even a mile away from my where I lived. If I could calculate, at most it was a mile. So, and yes, it was New York City. It was Washington Heights, which is not known for being the best neighborhood in the world. But the area where my school was at and where we lived was not bad. So the walk to the school was not a dangerous walk. There was another, there was an elementary school on the way. There was, it was not a bad walk. You know, it wasn't like hidden streets and bad. You know, it it was not a bad walk in whatsoever. Anyhow, so in the future, my mother would say to me whenever I wanted to do something, I'm not going to let you do that. Look at what happened with the drum corps. You started, never ended. You don't finish what you start. So I grew up truly believing that I didn't finish. I couldn't finish what I started. 
And that's far from the truth. But I still struggle with that. To be honest, I still struggle with the idea that I am not a consistent person, that I can't finish what I start, that I get an idea and I can't follow through with it. Okay? Um, and the, the truth of the matter is, I didn't choose to, to quit the drum corps. My mother pulled me out of the drum corps. You guys know the big one, if you've been listening to my podcast, is college. I went to college for two years to a college I chose, but it was still, I was a commuter, right? I was not going to ever leave home, right? Not only was I not allowed, but I felt like my anxiety would go too high and I wouldn't be able to handle leaving home. And that was all the, you know, programming that was put into my head that I couldn't survive without my mom. Um, so I went to a, a college I loved in nearby and when my mom started to see that I had a lot of friends and she, it, it's crazy how she even knew because it's not like I came home and was, oh, I have all these friends. It's because the son of one of her close friends went there and he was sort of a spy and let me tell you something it kind of occurred to me right as i'm talking this happens so much when i when i do these podcasts where i realize something as i'm saying it because there were times when i got would get home from school and my mother was like so you were hanging out and do and she would tell me what i was doing right and I'd be like, how the hell do you know that? Like, I kept thinking, she put a camera in my backpack or what? You know, I mean, it was the 90s. She, it's not like <laughs> GPS or anything. But she's like, no, um, so-and-so saw you in the cafeteria. And, and, he, and I'm like, and he told his mom. Now, granted, let me tell you, he's three or four years older than me. So he was already over 20, 21, 22 years old. And he was going home and telling his mommy that he had seen me at school and that I had all these friends. So anyway, that, of course, didn't make my mother happy because I couldn't have a life outside of her. Full control, right? Back to the control issue. And um, she pulled me out of college. So I went to college for two years and then had to work full time in corporate America before I was 20. Okay. That I am, you know, I'm not going to go into that whole thing, but that's the, that's the reason I say no more excuses. Stop making excuses for what they did to you. Okay. They are responsible whether they will take the responsibility or not. You, what I mean by this is in your mind, you have to stop making excuses for them. You have to give the responsibility to them. They did this. Now, does that mean everything that's ever happened to you in your life is their responsibility? No. Isn't there a point where we have to pick up our 
our lives and say, okay, it's my choice now and I made a mistake. Yes. And are we allowed to make mistakes? Absolutely. That's how we learn. Right? That is that is the reason that I have given my 19-year-old daughter the freedom to do things that I would not have been allowed to do. Because whether it's a mistake or not, she's doing it and she will learn from it. And she's allowed to make mistakes. And she knows that I am right here waiting for her if she needs to come home and be with me. Or if she needs help, I'm here. She knows that. And that's what our parents didn't give us. They didn't give us that security to go out in the world, be, take risks, okay? Because we knew that we had a safety net. Because we didn't have that safety net. Most of us were threatened. If you do X, then I will kick you out of the house. If you do Y, then you will live in the subway. That's what I was told. Not, please, live your life. Make your mistakes. I love you. I'm going to be here for you. Because that's what was supposed to happen. Right? We were supposed to feel that safety and security all of our lives. Imagine we didn't feel it when we were teenagers or young adults or even, you know, tweens, 11, 12, 13 years old, 10, 11, 12, like tweens is before you turn 13. We didn't feel that. Imagine what it was like when we were babies, right? We don't remember our past. Most of us don't remember a lot of our childhood anyway. That's my case. But imagine, you know, what what our lives were like when we were babies. Were we left crying for hours in a crib? My mother complained to me so many times about me not sleeping when I was a baby. Um, That's what babies do. My daughter... Didn't sleep either. (laughs) My daughter was worse than what my own mother said about me as far as sleeping goes. Not once. When I have told my daughter those stories, I always end up hugging, kissing her, and saying, that was the best time in my life. Because it was. I never complained. I'd get up every two hours to feed her, to, to comfort her. I was falling down from exhaustion but I never complained because I loved every second of it but that's not how my mother made me feel and that's that's the thing we have to put it on them we have to now the second part of this is something that maybe because I'm working on that not working on it most of the time i've i'm fully 100% in as far as this goes and then like there's a little part of me that shakes sometimes and and thinks differently but our enablers right the other parent for most of us um whoever the enabler was in your case right 
I know that a lot of you were raised by a single narcissistic parent. Um, so I don't know who the enabler is in your case, if it's a sibling or uh, an aunt, uncle, grandmother, whoever it was. Who, who is the enabler? Let's start by defining enabler. The enabler is the person who will support the narcissist, okay, in what they want, always does what they want, and will either ignore the abuse that is happening to you and not be involved in it, or join in and actually abuse with the narcissist because they don't want to be the target because they have been the target right? They have been abused as well. So they don't want to be the center of attention. So they abuse you instead. In my eyes, I almost see the enabler as worse than the narcissist. And I've had to come to this conclusion the last six months after my mother died, because my mother did die in September, right? In case you don't know that. (laughs) My mother died in September. And let me tell you something. I think about it sometimes and I think I can't believe this happened because for most people, it doesn't happen this quickly. Like, I realized she was a narcissist, was no contact for four years, and she died. Like, literally days after uh, the four-year anniversary of being no contact. Um, Crazy. Like, I barely had to be no contact, which kind of makes me angry, but because I wanted to have the, I've been no contact for 10 years, 15 years. Um, she died. The, the eternal no contact happened. Um, she died in September. It's been six months. And my expectation from before, I mean, me thinking into the future, if my mother dies first, I'll get my dad back. Um, let's just say that no contact is continuing with him. Okay. My dad was an enabler. My dad did so many things that are infuriating that I can't even. At one point, I wanted to have this relationship with him. I did. I wanted a relationship with him, but I realized I can't really have it because what would I have to talk to him about? I would want to say, why did you try and choke me when I was 19 years old? And I'm not making this up. Okay? Some of you have heard this before if you've been listening. When I was 19, my parents, it's it's a long story, but let's just say my mother was using reactive abuse to get a rise out of me. We were fighting because I was defending myself. Okay? Because the way she was provoking me was accusing me of something I hadn't done. So I was defending myself. We were fighting. And my dad lunged at me to choke me. That is not a joke. That really happened to me. To choke me. Okay? So, and that's just one thing. He, when I was growing up as a child, he was never there. He had two jobs. And he worked, his main job was an afternoon job. So I was alone with my mother. 
He left me alone to be abused by her. And then when that stopped and he was actually around a little more, he stepped right in to abuse me. And that is after we moved to Florida from New York, which is a mistake. Well, let's put it this way. I had to move here. I realized that because I met my husband here and I don't know where I'd be without him. I don't. Anyway, um, I would be arguing with my mother on the phone. Reactive abuse, right? Constant arguing, constant being upset, constant rage, and even, you know, feeling suicidal over her react, you know, using pro- provocation, provoking me to react, to, to be upset all the time. We would argue over the phone and I would hear my father yelling at me through the phone instead of at his wife whom he was there. He saw what happened. He heard what happened. And my mother did something that has no, for. I mean, I, I couldn't forgive what she did that day. And we were having one of those fights and she was telling my dad complete lies about what I had just said over the phone. And I'm screaming, and I knew he could hear it. Tell him the truth. That's not what I said. Tell him the truth. So, guys, you have to give the people who have hurt you their, put place the blame on them. And just say, it's their fault. And I'm not saying you have to go around with a sign on the streets and saying, hey, my parents. No, no, this is an internal thing that we need to do. Is say, it was their doing. This was their fault. I'm not the one that lunged at myself to choke myself. Okay? I'm not the one that had two jobs. So I, I didn't have to see the abuse and get away scot-free. I'm not the one that abandoned three kids. You have to put the blame where it belongs because we have enough to live with. We have to live with the consequences of how we feel about ourselves in the present moment, okay? Um, I kind of had a... Not an argument, but it was a back and forth with a person. It was not a support group. It was just, I'm in so many things. This is this, I don't remember if this was Hispanic memes or, but someone who's like, you just have to get over, people have to get over blaming their parents for everything and just become adults. And and I was like, you know, it's obvious that you don't understand what it's like to be abused Oh, I was abused, but I'm an adult and I've gotten over it. And I'm like, oh, huh. okay. If if you really believe that, wait till the explosion comes because that's a person who's repressing. If it's true that they were abused, um, guys, we're allowed to feel what we feel. We have to give them their responsibility for how they hurt us, and then we have to hurt. We have to feel the hurt. If you walk around and say, and denying 
or saying, I'm okay now. I'm no contact. I'm okay now. You're not okay. Because just because you stopped the current hurt, the current abuse, that's perfect, beautiful. Congratulations. And I really mean that. But you have to deal with the past. You have to. There's so many things that are so incorrect or not incorrect. They're not correct for every situation. Like, don't let the past rule what you do in the future. Don't let the past control what happens to you in the future. People, there are things that affect us now that made us who we are now. So we have to deal with it now. How many of you have an autoimmune disorder that you deal with? How many of you are physically ill? I've asked this question and got people's list of of ailments. That is crap we're dealing with right now. Okay? That we can't just say, no, it's not happening to me. I don't have Graves' disease. I don't have MS. I don't have fibromyalgia. I don't have, you know, Crohn's disease. And on and on and on and on and on. These are things we are dealing with physically. So what do you think it's done to us emotionally? Right? We are as sick emotionally as we're physically, if not more so, right? Until we have gone to hopefully a therapist that understands narcissists, narcissistic abuse and trauma and can help you process those feelings because you're going to get those PTSD flashbacks of what happened to you and you're going to feel what happened to you as if you were there because that's what a flashback is a flashback is you're right back in that situation And it's okay to feel it. That's the thing. It's okay to feel it. Feeling it is very important. Because you're going to get to a point where you'll be able to talk the way I'm talking. I've heard my podcast from six months ago when I talk about my father and the situation over there with my mother's nephew and all of that. And... I I hear a difference in my voice. I'm a different, I am because I feel differently. I feel differently. I have finally given my father the place he deserves. My dad is now living the karma that he built for himself his entire life. He has three other sons that don't talk to him and won't talk to him. Now, that's his own fault. They tried five years ago. It's going to be five years in April that they contacted me because they tried to get to him and my mother hung up the phone, but that's another story. Um, But he wouldn't, he, he didn't, you know, he told me that he was going to meet with the one that really wanted to see him, which was the one he never really met. He never met him because he was like one or something. Um, he said he was going to, he never did. And he, he won't, 
He won't. So right now he's living the karma of his choices. The thing he didn't probably expect is that karma was going to bite him over here by me. Right? That I I was going to be part of his karma too. Right? I tried. I tried. But now I think about it and I think, what if he does somehow, you know, wake up in a year? He starts to really see the abuse. See what he didn't want to admit. Right? And he tries to come back here and and have a relationship with me. I can't tell you for a fact what my reaction will be. But I can tell you, if it happened right now, I know what my reaction would be. I don't really think I want a relationship with my father unless he is willing to go to therapy on a consistent basis to try and fix the problems he has internally. I'm not willing to deal with that. I'm sorry, I'm just not. I've dealt with enough on my own, and part of it was his abuse as well. So yeah, we have to give them their place. They were the ones that hurt us. They were the ones that hurt us. And I'm not, I'm here to validate you, right? And those posts that say, don't let the past rule your future and all that, they invalidate our experiences having been abused physically and emotionally, by the people that were supposed to love us the most. That is something that changes you. That it it makes us who we are. But you want to know something? I want to end this on a different note. It made us stronger than most walking around people. Okay? You may not feel that, but that is the truth. Why? Because we survived the most horrendous situations and we're here. People, when we go through bad things, every bad thing makes us that much stronger. And in the end of the game, we are the ones who win because we are now equipped. We have a suit of armor, right? And if you're listening to me, you know how to pick out a narcissist. You know who to not have in your life. You know where your boundaries are. And you know how to say, nope. See, because I always think about like with my dad, like I would have to tell him, if you do one thing, you yell at me, you blame me, one thing, I'm out of here, you'll never see me again. I know he would know I wasn't kidding. And it wouldn't work because he would do one of those things. He would. He would cross my boundary immediately, I suspect. I suspect me just saying that would be bad would because they don't like boundaries, right? And even though he's the enabler, quote unquote, he has his own issues. So the end of this podcast is hooray for being so strong. And hooray for who we are now. We are these people who we can't be manipulated that easily anymore. Because we have learned. We can see other people. We are empathic. 
We can walk into a room and scan the room and say, bad person, narcissist, oh my God, that person's insecure. And we're attracted to other people just like us. Tell me you haven't just been like pulled to someone and immediately found out that you have similar experiences because it's happened to me so many times I can't even count. I have so many stories of that. So we have a superpower. And that's what you have to really focus on, right? Healing, which is an ongoing process. So please, please don't do that to yourself to say, well, I'm no contact and I'm all better because that's not how it works. No contact is just the beginning of the process. Okay? Let yourself heal and feel your feelings. But then pick yourself up and realize I am strong. I am a good person, but I'm also not a pushover. I have boundaries. I am amazing. I am a superhero because that's what we all are. All right, guys, I love you so much. I hope that you're doing well. Um, There's a link at the bottom of, of the description that is for donations. I know the economy is like beyond awful. Um, me too, right? I, I'm not working and it's not a choice. It's, I can't. And things have not been easy. And if, if my podcast has made a difference in your life, and you can afford to donate something, I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you, guys. I love you. And until next time.